0: Father, as we bow before you this morning, we thank you for the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world. We thank you for Jesus who has given his life a ransom for many. But Father, we thank you that Jesus is alive today. Father, guide us through these next few moments. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Who would you guess is the most successful defense attorney in the world? Well, according to the Guinness Book of Records, the most successful lawyer ever Was a man by the name of Sir Lionel Lucku, who succeeded in getting 245 successive, successive murder charge acquittals in his lifetime. 245 murder trials in a row—an absolutely astonishing feat that no one in the world has ever close to replicating. This morning as we celebrate Easter, wouldn't it be interesting to get an opinion from an expert lawyer like Lucku on the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Well, we're in luck, so to speak. During his spiritual journey, he turned his expertise to the question of whether or not Jesus was resurrected. And here's his conclusion. And I quote, I say unequivocally that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. Here is the most successful attorney in the world applying the test of legal evidence to the case of Jesus Christ and concludes with absolute confidence that His resurrection is real. And then, Luke, He did the most logical thing. He gave His life to Jesus Christ. We also have biblical evidence We don't just need attorneys to tell us that the resurrection is true, but we have four men who wrote four Gospels, and they also give us the account of the resurrection of Jesus. I want to look this morning at Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 28, and I want to read this morning the account of that first Easter morning. Follow along with me as I read Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they went to look at the tomb. There was a violent, violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. This is the account of the very first Easter. And we read here in this Gospel, and we do know that in other Gospels there are a few disagreements as far as the number of women who went on that first morning. All of these disagreements, however, can be reconciled. We just aren't going to take the time to try and do that. But here it says two women, both by the name of Mary. Uh, Mary Magdalene was one who Jesus cast out seven demons the other mary uh, is the sister of the mother of jesus they were both followers of jesus we know that because in mark's gospel chapter 16 it says that they both stood there at a distance and saw the crucifixion of jesus they come to the tomb they come to anoint the body They had a concern, however, and we read of that concern also in Matthew's Gospel. The concern was, who is going to roll away the stone? Who is going to roll away the stone? Now, when we go to cemeteries, and I know we do that quite often, we go to uh, see the place where our loved ones have been uh, buried, we go to place flowers, but we don't have hurdles to cross when we get there. These women had a hurdle. The hurdle was that a stone was placed in front of the tomb. And the concern was, how can we get to the body with a stone that seals the entrance of this tomb? I want to look at three things this morning in this text. And the first one is fear. It's interesting because there was a lot of fear that surrounded the death of Jesus. The Bible says that when these women went, there was this violent earthquake and apparently it took place before these women got to the tomb. You know, earthquakes are often mentioned in connection with the presence of the Lord. And here... We have the descent of this angelic being that is preceded by this violent earthquake. And this angel rolled back the stone and the Bible says that he sat upon it. Now the guards were there. There were guards and they apparently did witness all of this. The women have not arrived as yet. But the guards were there to guard the tomb and they must have witnessed all of this. The earthquake, the descending of the angel, the rolling back of the stone by the angel, and the angel then sitting upon the stone. And the Bible says they were so afraid that this event knocked them unconscious to the ground. And there they lay, motionless, as dead men, the guards were afraid. Have you ever wondered why the guards? Why, why were there guards sealing this tomb of Jesus? Well, if you jump back to chapter twenty-seven of the same gospel, uh, if we start to read there in verse sixty-two, this is what we read. It says, "The next day, uh, the one after Preparation Day, the chief priests and the Pharisees they went to Pilate." Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver, who are they talking about? Jesus, of course. These Pharisees, they go to Pilate, they call Jesus a deceiver, and they say, you know that when this deceiver Jesus was still alive, he said that after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception would be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went, made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard why was there a stone why was there a guard because the pharisees these religious leaders of the day they knew what jesus said while he was still alive they knew he said that someday he would die but on the third day he would rise again and they thought you know we know that can't be true but let's suppose the disciples were to go to the tomb and let's just suppose for a moment that Uh, The disciples took the body of Jesus and hid it somewhere. Why? Lo and behold, people are going to say, Jesus, he really did come alive. He really did come back from the dead. We can't have that happen, so let's seal the tomb. Let's put a big stone in front of the tomb and we'll, we'll post guards so that those rumors could never be spread. Well, here the guards are. Uh, They're standing by the stone, but all of a sudden there's this violent earthquake, and and they see this heavenly messenger descend from heaven, grab a hold of that stone, roll it away, sits upon the stone, and they fall dead, or they fall as dead men to the ground. The guards were afraid, but we also notice that the women were afraid as well. Because in verse 5, it says this the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, which means stop being afraid, which means they were afraid. He's just saying, You don't have to be afraid, but they were afraid. They came to the tomb. The guards were petrified, and so are the women. They get to the tomb, and they they see the guards lying on the ground, they see the angels sitting on the stone. This angel has a face that is radiant and his clothing is sparkling. And the angel says to them, don't be afraid because Jesus is alive. They came to a place of death and yet they found life. For them, this was a game changer. For them, their whole world changed having been told that Jesus is no longer dead but Jesus is alive. You know, death should not cause us fear. There ought not be death or fear in death because the song we sang says that because He lives, we will live also. You see, the Bible says that there is a resurrection. And because of that resurrection, we have no fear of death. Because we know that when we take our last breath, we are in heaven. I was reading an interesting story of a couple of guys, and they left this party late at night. And as they're walking home, they, they wanted to get home quickly. And so they decided to take this shortcut right through the cemetery. And as they're walking through this cemetery, they hear... And they look over in the shadows, and there in the shadows is this man down on his knees with a hammer and a chisel, and he's chiseling away at the headstone. And they said to this guy, they said, what are you doing so late at night? Why are you working so late at night? I mean, you scared us half to death. We thought you were a ghost or something. To which this guy responded, those fools, they misspelled my name. (laughs) In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we have the account of when Jesus comes back. Because I suppose we all have a little bit of fear of death. What is death? Should we fear death? Well, the Bible says not. The Bible says, according to Paul, when he writes to the Thessalonian believers, that we ought to be comforted and we ought to be encouraged as we approach death. Follow with me as I read 1st. Thessalonians chapter 4. This is a text that I often read during a funeral service to bring comfort. Brothers and sisters, we, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. Now, Paul often speaks about death using the word sleep, which I'll say something about in just a moment. He doesn't want us to be uninformed He doesn't want us to be ignorant. He often uses that word uh, about those who have fallen asleep in death. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's word... We tell you that we who are still alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, time word. We, who are still alive, with them in the clouds, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage or comfort one another with these words. Paul is saying that when Jesus comes back, there's going to be order The return of Jesus will be very orderly as the resurrection takes place, that the dead in Christ will rise first. In other words, those who have died in Christ, those who have died who have trusted Jesus, they will be the first ones to rise. Now we know the Bible clearly says that um, to be absent from this body is to be in the presence of the Lord. See, death is a separation of body and spirit. And so immediately at death, the spirit goes to be in the presence of God. The body, of course, is placed in the ground. But when Jesus comes back, the Bible says that the dead in Christ, these bodies that have been in the ground, will rise first, be united with their spirits. Now listen, don't ask me how that all takes place. (laughs) I have no idea in the world how God is going to take these old, decayed, crepid bodies and raise them to life, reunite them with their spirit, be glorified. That's what the Bible says. The dead in Christ, they will rise first, but then we who are still alive at the rapture, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so we will ever be with the Lord. I believe according to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 uh, where he says John says when we see him we will be like him I believe we in the rapture when we're caught up together as soon as we see Jesus we're glorified at that very moment we're changed in a twinkling of an eye Paul speaks of death as sleep because sleep has an awakening death has a resurrection. And that's why there's no fear of death because we have the assurance, we have the reassurance and assurance of words like these that someday there will be a resurrection. Someday there will be a reuniting. And Paul says at the end of this text, therefore, having said all of this, giving you the order, the very orderly event, Therefore, be encouraged by these words. Be comforted by these words. Don't allow death to cause fear. The other words I find back in Matthew's gospel are the two words come and see. In verse 6 of Matthew chapter 28, it says this He's not here, he has risen. Just as he said, now come and see the place where he lay. Come and see for yourself. I would invite you to turn back to John's account of the resurrection in John chapter 20. As I said, the uh, different gospel writers, they uh, give us the account of the resurrection of Jesus. They all do this. In John chapter 20, uh, reading down, uh, starting at verse 11, uh, let's read what John has to say about this first Easter morning. Now Mary, she stood outside the tomb, and she was crying. This is Mary Magdalene. This is the very same Mary that we just read about in Matthew's Gospel, who had the seven spirits, the bonic spirits, cast out from her. Mary, she stood outside the tomb, and she was crying. And as she wept, she bent over and she looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white. Remember, I said some mention one, some mention two, uh, some mention three ladies, some mention two. It's, it all can be reconciled. It's just coming from different authors. John's writing this. And they're seated where Jesus' body had been. One was at the head, the other was at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Well, they've taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking that he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Mary Magdalene was a determined woman. She had heard with the other ladies that were there. She had heard that Jesus was alive. But she wanted to know where he was. All right, I get that, she said. I understand he's alive, but where did they put the body? Where is he right now? It appears as though (coughs) the ladies over in Matthew's gospel, after they came to the tomb, they left. They went to tell the disciples that Jesus was alive, and then Mary comes back by herself. And that's the account we have here in John chapter 20. She comes back by herself. She she doesn't want to just hear that Jesus is alive, but she wants to see him. Come and see. Come and see. She wants to see, not just hear. And so she comes back now to the tomb. And she sees this man and believes him to be the gardener. She doesn't recognize that it's Jesus. Now, it doesn't say why she didn't recognize him. You know, sometimes in the Bible, when Jesus appeared to those in his uh, glorified body, um, for one reason or another, they did not recognize him. Remember the uh, two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And somehow they were prevented initially From recognizing Jesus as they walked along the path? Was it her tears? Some suggest well, maybe the tears, you know, blurred her sight and she just wasn't able to see Jesus and know that it was He. We don't know that exact, know for sure exactly why Uh, she did not recognize Him. But as soon as Jesus said her name, As soon as Jesus said, Mary. Oh, she's heard that voice before. She recognized that voice. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, she knew exactly who this was. She was face to face with Christ her Savior. You know, it's interesting that Jesus should appear first to Mary Magdalene. This was his first post-resurrection appearance that he should appear to her. She saw Jesus. She needed to know that he was alive. You know, the gospel, and you've heard the gospel through song, through different avenues this morning. The gospel includes the resurrection. The gospel includes the resurrection. For example, in Romans chapter 10, I want to read these words. Listen, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. You see, the gospel includes the resurrection. Paul says elsewhere in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says this, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried, that He raised on a third day according to the Scriptures. The gospel, the good news, includes the resurrection. You see, the gospel according to Paul in 1 Corinthians is that Jesus died. He died for our sins, just as the Scriptures have declared. He was buried, but three days later He came to life. That's good news. And according to Romans, to believe that is to be given eternal life. To believe that Jesus died for your sins. To believe that Jesus conquered the grave. To believe that the tomb is empty. To believe that Jesus Christ is the one who saves people from their sins is to be saved you see the bible says jesus did it all he accomplished all of that on the cross in the tomb becoming alive but our part is to believe to believe that jesus is lord to believe that god has raised him from the dead brings eternal life the niv study bible says this regarding the resurrection. The resurrection is the bedrock truth of Christian doctrine. The bedrock truth of Christian doctrine and the central thrust of the apostolic preaching. If you've ever read through the book of Acts, and you know right in the beginning of Acts, when Peter starts to preach, it's all about the resurrection. It's all about Jesus coming to life the bedrock truth of the Christian doctrine. We are the only religion, we are unique in the sense that our master, our leader, Jesus, is alive today. No other religion could stay there. The followers of other religions, their leaders have all died, and they remain buried today. But Jesus, our leader, is alive. But with that, believe, comes a responsibility. Because if you notice, if you jump back to Matthew chapter 28, notice what is said to these women in verse 7. Then go quickly and tell. Go quickly and tell. And if you jump down to verse 10, Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell. You see, with belief in Jesus comes a responsibility to go now and pass it on. To go and tell someone. That was the first command that these women were given. Go tell someone. Jump down to the end of Matthew's Gospel. We find at the very end the great commission that is given to us by Jesus Himself. The words that I read are written in red. And if you have a red letter edition, your Bible has these words written in red. That means Jesus is speaking these words. It says, Jesus came to them, and this is what He said, All authority in heaven and on earth Claims all power and the right to exercise it. Jesus is claiming all power and the right to exercise it. He has triumphed over death. He has unlimited, unrestricted, universal sovereignty. He makes this claim. And then he says in verse 19... Therefore, because of who I am, I am commanding you to go and tell. Go and tell. This is an order. But it's more than that. It's more than that. It's Jesus stating that He's worthy of our worship as a sovereign Lord. He's worthy of our praise and adoration. And because of who He is, out of obedience to Him, we should go and tell. Notice the women over in verse 8. It says, So the women, they hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy. Afraid. They haven't completely. Uh, the, the fear has not completely been removed, uh, but now they're filled with joy. I don't know about you, but uh, about you, but you know, oftentimes when we go and and want to share our faith, we go to tell someone. Uh, there's a little bit fear involved in that, but what joy! The blessings of being able to share with someone else that that Jesus Christ is alive. So this morning we come to an empty tomb. What does the empty tomb what does it mean to us this morning? Oh, it means a lot of things and I think we spoke of those. Several have sung about those differences that it makes in our lives. But this week, as I was thinking over this sermon and getting texts and emails from some of you and knowing that some of you have been surrounded by death this week, I think what I want for us to leave with this morning is this, that there ought not be fear as we approach death. Because there is a resurrection. Death is not final. Death is not the end. As a matter of fact, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. So we have no reason to fear death. Jesus said, you will live because I live. The praise team, they sung that uh, song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. I want for us to sing that little chorus, a cappella, and then the choir is going to come and they're going to dismiss us with a powerful, powerful song. But I thought it would be good for us to recognize and sing once again, Because He Lives, we can face tomorrow. We can face whatever God wants to bring into our lives because He lives. Let's sing this together. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. because He lives. As I pray, I would invite the choir to come and join me on the platform. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Son. We thank You for Jesus who has laid down His life on our behalf. But we thank You for one who is seated now at the right hand of God the Father one who is alive. Father, we are thankful this morning for that empty tomb. And we know that we all move forward into the future. We know, Lord, that unless Jesus comes back, we we all will face death. But, Father, help us to face it without fear, knowing, Lord, that You, You have conquered death, knowing that there is for the child of God, a resurrection, when we someday will see Jesus face to face, what a day that will be when Jesus Christ we will see. Father, we pray for the blessing of the morning. What a great day it has been. And we thank you and worship you in spirit and in truth. Move us once again into your presence In the power of this next song. And may you be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. together, please. And all God's people said, happy Easter. God bless you. You're dismissed.